You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 17, we started this um, before Kids Crusade. It's taken me two Wednesdays so far. Of course, we didn't... uh, last Wednesday with Kids Crusade, but I want to cover the last few thoughts, and don't, don't get excited, it's going to take every bit of time we've got, but I want to cover the last few thoughts from Revelation 17 in this Bible study. Notice with me, if you will, verse number um, 14. It says, and these shall make war with the Lamb. Of course, we know who the Lamb is. We find that out in Revelation 4 and 5. Uh, The Lamb was the one that was worthy to to take the book and to open the seals. Uh, He's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. And the Lamb, the Bible says, shall overcome them. That's a good word. That's a great word anywhere in the Bible, but especially when you get to Revelation and everything's coming to a close and we find that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, will overcome. And the Bible says, for he is Lord of Lords, hallelujah, and King of Kings. And they that are with him, now we're coming back to this. They that are with him, you say, who's that? That's those of us that have been saved. That's those of us that are a bunch of sinners just saved by grace. Those that come with him, the Bible says, they are called and chosen and faithful. Wow. Verse 15, and he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore, uh, that that whore, that harlot, represents the, the religions of the world that will come together during the time of the tribulation. And this great whore, this harlot uh, that we read about, verse number five, this whore, the Bible says, um, in verse number 15, that sat upon the waters, represents all peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. That's how we know that the religions of the world will come together. We're not just talking about U.S. of A. We're not just talking about English speaking. We're not just talking about uh, the Protestant religions. We're talking about the, the, the religions of the world will come together. They'll be united during the tribulation. And the Bible says in verse 16, and the 10 horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Time out. I know it's been a few weeks, but do you realize in this same chapter, this is the very beast that the whore is riding upon. This is the very beast that the the harlot has made an agreement with, has made a pact with. And the religious system and the government systems, they come together and they're working together. But they will turn on the harlot. They will turn on this woman and they will destroy her, the Bible says, in verse number 16, and burn her with fire. Verse 17, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings 
of the earth. Father, I pray you'd speak to us and help us as we look at your word. I pray that you'd make it clear. And I pray that you give us something that we can uh, take and we can apply, we can live. Lord, we're not here tonight just for uh, head knowledge. We're not here just for intellectual reasons. Uh, we're here because we need spiritual help. Uh, we need something tonight that will, will help us in our homes. We need something that will help us in our marriage. We need something that will help us in our walk with you. We need something that will help us in our witness. We need something that will help us uh, to, to, to be what we ought to be for you. And so I pray that you would please show us what we need to know tonight. And may we be receptive and responsive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've seen in this passage, and I've given you a, a long um, outline. We saw the apostasy, the associations. We saw the actions um, that, that were committed by Satan and the Antichrist. Um, um, we saw verse uh, number, uh, not, not verse number four, we saw before the abominations, the filthiness inside that golden cup. We saw the attire uh, in verse number four. Uh, we saw number six, we saw the announcement, mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. We saw number seven, the admiration. Uh, the, the people were shocked and, and, and John was shocked when he saw uh, this scene. And then number eight, we saw the adversary. And the adversary of this, this harlot, the, the religious system, the adversary, the enemy is Jesus. Uh, this this uh, harlot goes on the attack against Jesus Christ and, and becomes drunk with the blood of the saints. Um, this is how much hatred there is for, for God and for his people. You say, well, I'm surprised at that. Well, we shouldn't be surprised because when Jesus came, we know what they did to him. In 1 John, the Bible says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Now, I'm thankful we live in a nation that was founded upon Jesus Christ and founded upon biblical principles. I'm thankful we live in North Carolina. I'm thankful we live in a place where, where it is still, uh, people have respect for God and have respect for the Bible. But I want to tell you, around the world, that is quickly shifting. And some places of the world, there's not respect for the Bible. Some places of the world, you get thrown in jail for having this book. Uh, this missionary that'll be here next Wednesday, I promise you, he'll tell you about the dangers that he faces and, and Christians face in that area every day of their lives. So, so don't be lulled to sleep to think that this is the way it is everywhere. It's not like this everywhere. But I thank God for what we have here. And I thank God for this place. And I think we ought to uh, count our blessings. And I think we ought not take for granted the freedoms and the, the liberties and the opportunities that we've been given. But then we see in verse 16, we see the attack. The attack is that the beast that this woman wrote upon has now become the enemy of the harlot. You know... That ought not surprise us because this beast and these, these ten horns, this is the Antichrist. This is a, a person, a, a, a real a human being who becomes a puppet for Satan himself. You see, the Antichrist will rise to power, but this Antichrist will be demon-possessed. This Antichrist will be empowered by Satan himself. And, and please make no mistake. For everything good that God tries to do, Satan's always going to have a counterfeit. And so when we say antichrist, well, what is the antichrist? It is a person who comes in the flesh who is empowered by Satan. Well, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus wasn't just a person that came in the flesh. Jesus was God who came in the flesh. But the antichrist will be a counterfeit of who Jesus is. And so 
this beast with the ten horns, this antichrist, will turn on this woman, on this harlot, on this religious um, uh, a group that has assembled together. Now, that should not surprise us again, because how many of you know that Satan cares nothing about you? As a matter of fact, Satan wants to destroy you. Satan hates your guts. And Satan doesn't play fair. Satan will lie to you. Satan will deceive you. Satan will lead you up to the edge of the cliff and he'll push you over if he could. Satan is out to destroy. I want you to hold your place in Revelation 17. And, and I want to make an application. I want you to see how this relates to us. This is not just information, but this uh, hopefully will be transformation for how it can affect our lives. Turn to 2 Chronicles 28 in your Bibles. 2 Chronicles 28. I'm not going to preach this message, but uh, Brother Dan, you remember Brother Wally Davis. You traveled with him. I got to travel with him. He's an evangelist. But he used to preach a message from this very passage. I'm not going to preach the message, but I'm going to show you the verses. In 2 Chronicles 28, the Bible talks about King Ahaz. It says in verse number uh, 16, at that time did King Ahaz, 2 Chronicles 28, verse 16, at that same time did King Ahaz send unto the kings of Assyria to help him. Red flag. That's not where God's people should be going to get help. We don't go to the enemy to get help. We don't go to Satan to get help. We don't go to the world to get help. We've got help and we ought to go to God for help. But Ahaz, he's in trouble. And Ahaz sends to the kings of Assyria to help him. Verse 17. For again, the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives. And the Philistines also had invaded the cities of the low country and of the south of Judah and had taken Beshemesh and Agilon and Gadiroth and Shoko with the villages thereof and Timna with the villages thereof uh, and Gimzo also in the villages thereof and they dwelt there. And so the Philistines and the Edomites, they've attacked Judah and King Ahaz says, we need help. We're in trouble. So he calls to the kings of Assyria and says, help us quick. We need you. Now notice verse number 19, for the Lord had brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. And verse 20, Tilgath-Pilneser, king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him. Now, how many of you know that is not helpful? You don't need anybody to come and, and distress you. You don't need anybody to come and give you more trouble. We've all got enough trouble, okay? But he calls for help, and this king comes and distressed him, verse 20. It says, but strengthened him not. Now, verse 21. For Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the house of the king and of the princes and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. Now, you see, this wasn't a favor. This wasn't a pal. This wasn't, hey, uh, I need some help moving. Can you, can you bring your truck over and, you know, maybe I'll buy you pizza later. There was a transaction made. Ahaz sent money to the king, Tilgath-Pilneser. And this is amazing. You know where he got it? He got it from a place where it didn't belong to him. He got it from the treasures 
of the temple. And friend, I want to warn you. I want you, I want you to be so careful. Don't give up spiritual things in hopes of getting physical help. Don't give up spiritual, eternal things in hopes of getting temporal gain because it never works out. It's never worth it to give up spiritual things for temporal things. But that's what he did. So he paid him. He sent him the money. And the Bible says that this king of Assyria, he helped him not. And in the time of his distress, did he trespass yet more against the Lord? This is that King Ahaz. Verse 23, for he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. Let me just remind us this evening, and I'm just going to make a few examples, a, a, a few correlations, and we're going to move on. But did you know that there are people that are so desperate for help, but they go to the wrong place for help? Did you know that those drugs are not going to help you? Did you know those drugs are not going to be the thing that's going to help you? They're going to add more stress to your life. They're going to be the ruin of you. You say, Pastor, it's a Wednesday night crowd. I understand it's a Wednesday night crowd. I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. I'm talking to the folks online. I'm talking to folks on the radio. And, and Satan will tell you, this will help you. This will give you relief. This is what you need. And I want to say, Satan is a liar and he is from the pits of hell. And he's not going to help you. Yeah, yeah, alcohol, I'll just, I'll drink. I'll drink my problems away. No, you won't. Because you'll wake up in the morning and the problems will be there and they'll still be worse. You say, I've got another addiction. I know what I'll do. I'll go out and I'll start gambling. And all that gambling, it's going to help me because one of these days I'm going to win big. And I got news for you. It's not going to help you. You're going to find the debt getting worse and you're going to find the financial problems getting worse. And the addictions are not going to help. And the pornography is not going to help. And the adultery is not going to help. Uh, and, the and, and the bitterness and the temper and the pride and all those things that we use to try to help ourselves and prop ourselves up they don't help they make it worse because satan does not have anything good to offer you to help you in your situation help comes from the lord that's why david said this i will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the lord that is where the help comes from so this woman is attacked satan turns on her satan destroys her and i think it's very graphic to see what happens this woman is not just hurt. This woman, this harlot, this representation of the religions of the world, Satan uses them and then he destroys them. And that's the way Satan will do with you. That's the way Satan will do with me. How about the Garden of Eden? You remember that? Satan had that, Satan had that line to Eve. Oh, God just knows that if you eat of this tree, then you'll be wise and discerning just like God. And you know, God's really not got your best interest. Well, what'd she do? She took of that fruit. And guess what she found out? She found out the hard way that Satan is a liar. And her life didn't get better. And her situation didn't get better. Her situation got worse. And because of her sin, the Bible says, as by one man, sin entered in the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That's another message for another day. But your sin does not just affect you. 
And my sin does not just affect me. It affects others. We see the attack. Number 10, quickly, I've got to move on. I want you to notice quickly the applications. And I've got a few things I want you to see. I think it's so important in this uh, chapter. Found in verse number 5 and verse number 7. We see the word mystery. It says, verse number 5, Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, abominations of the earth. Verse 7. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? John, why were you so shocked? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman. And, and the angel did reveal that mystery. John didn't understand it on his own. A mystery in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, is a hidden truth that is only discerned, it's only understood by those who have spiritual insight. Now you say, well, what's the big deal? Um, you, you, maybe you like mysteries. Maybe you, you, you read mystery novels or maybe you watch uh, mystery movies or whatever. If you figure out the mystery, great. If you don't, no problem. But I want to tell you, there are some things in this book that we do need to understand. There are some things in this book that we do need to figure out. And God has given us the ability to discern because he has given us his word to unlock the mystery. God's not trying to hide stuff from you. God's will is not a mystery. You say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, then you haven't read the Bible because God tells us this is the will of God. This is what we're supposed to do. Let me give you a couple of examples quickly. I want you to turn with me, please, to uh, Ephesians 5. I think that'd be a good place to go. And that may be the only mystery I get to give you. Ephesians chapter 5. In this passage, Ephesians chapter 5, we see the, the, the uh, command, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church, and what? And he gave himself for it. Well, then we get to um, verse number uh, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And he goes on talking about a husband and wife and the relationship between the two. And it can be a little bit like, wait a minute, what, what are you trying to say here, Paul? What's the message to the church at Ephesus? What's the message here? And then he gets to verse number 32. And he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You see, th th this mystery here, without the Bible, you'd be puzzled like, What's this all about? Loving your, your wife as Christ loved the church and games. But he goes on to explain here's what and here's why and here's how. And so the mystery is solved. Turn with me to one other passage. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Go back a couple pages from Ephesians. Go to First Corinthians uh, 15, please. First Corinthians 15, verse number 51. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that not all of us are going to die. You say, we're not? No, because when that trumpet sounds, the Bible says those that are alive and remain... They're not going to experience that. They're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So not everybody's going to die, but it does say this, but we will all be changed. We're all going to be transformed. So even though if I do not die, if you do not die, if Jesus comes back during our lifetime, 
We're not going to heaven in these old bodies. Hallelujah for that. You mad? That'd be a disadvantage. You get to heaven and say, man, this isn't going to work. I got an old corruptible body. But it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15 that our corruption has got to put on incorruption. And our mortals got to put on immortality. And, and, and death is swallowed up in victory. And, oh, death, where is thy sting? And, oh, grave, where is thy victory? And so the mystery is explained. If the mystery were not explained, we'd still be thinking, what's going to happen? Uh, how are we, we going to live in heaven forever because we get sick? How are we going to live in heaven, forever in heaven because we get old? You know, you imagine that. You know, here you are up in heaven. You're a thousand years old. And you think, man, I already feel old now. Well, guess what? Good news for you. You're going to have a new body. You're going to have a glorified body. You're going to have an incorruptible body. And so the mystery is explained. But there are applications. We see in verse number 8. Go back with me, please, to uh, Revelation 17. Here's another application. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Now, that's not good. If you've got a beast coming out of the bottomless pit, that's not a good place to be from, right? <laughs> you say, where are you from? Well, hopefully not the bottomless pit. Hopefully uh, Roanoke Rapids or Halifax or Gaston or Weldon or, you know, Potacasey or somewhere like that, but hopefully not the bottomless pit. But then notice what it says, that, and they shall, that beast shall go into perdition. That's uh, utter destruction. Praise God for that. That uh, Satan will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. But then it says this, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from or since the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. I want you to look at that phrase, the names that were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Now, some people would take this verse and I, I believe take it out of context to say if you're supposed to be saved you're going to get saved and if you're not supposed to get saved you won't get saved because there it is i mean your name's in the book of life from the they'll say from the very beginning you god already wrote down who's going to get saved and all that well hang on a minute first of all this verse is saying that everybody that's ever gotten saved from the beginning till the end hallelujah their name's not lost their name is written down. Aren't you glad God's never had a fire? God's never lost a book. God's never had a pen run out of ink. God's never uh, not been able to read his writing. Your name is recorded in the book of life and praise God for that. However, I also want to say this. The Bible teaches very clearly that God is not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And so God doesn't predestine that, uh, let's see, the people on this side of the room, they're going to hell. And the people on this side of the room, they're going to heaven. Are you kidding me? That's not the Bible. That's not a, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, uh, that's not, uh, uh, well, I, I, you know, we don't need to go out. We don't need to tell you about Jesus because if they're going to get saved, they'll just get saved. Well, hello, how do you think they're going to get saved? Because God's going to use somebody like us to go and get the gospel to them. And so here is an application. The application is this, that salvation comes not because you were born into a certain family, 
Not because you were born in a certain country, not because you've got a certain IQ or you've got a certain social status. Salvation comes to everyone who is willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And once your name is written in that book of life, it's there forever. From the time you get saved till the very end of eternity. You say, when's that? Never. Because eternity never ends. But we see an application. Verse number 9 in Revelation 17, we see the need for wisdom. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. We must apply wisdom to understanding and interpreting the scriptures. In this passage, we see this. There are seven heads, uh, seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. There are seven kings. And the writer, John, here has given this revelation. Five are fallen. So at the time that John is writing, there is the Roman Empire that is in power. It says five are fallen. Well, you have um, Egypt, the power, world power of Egypt. You have the world power of uh, Assyria. You have the world power of Babylon. You have the world power of Medo-Persia. You have the world power of Greece. Five are fallen. And at the time of this writing, it is the Roman Empire that is in power. Well, when we get to the end times, we get to the book of Revelation, you have the re reviving or the revising of the Roman Empire. That's where you have uh, these, these, these 10 kings, these 10 nations, they will come from this region. The Bible says in Daniel that the Antichrist himself is going to come from the revived Roman Empire. And so John is giving the explanation of the, the, the five which, which were, five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, he is the eighth. From that revived Roman Empire, there will come the Antichrist and uh, is of the seven and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which uh, have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. And then we get to verse number 14. And I'm telling you, this whole chapter could be very depressing. This whole chapter could be very scary. But it's almost like God inserts verse 14 in all this mess and all this nonsense and all this craziness and all this chaos. And God reminds us that we are victorious through Jesus Christ because the Lamb, verse 14, He shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. I looked up those words. I, 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 I know what they mean and you know what they mean, but allow me to elaborate for a moment. The word called, talking about Christians, talking about people that have been saved by the grace of God. The word called means to be invited. Isn't it wonderful to be invited into God's family? He says, you're invited. You're welcome. I want you to come. Not only are we called, not only invited, but we've been divinely selected. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary, he had you in his mind. He had me on his mind. He wanted us. He has called us to be his people. Then it says we're chosen. The word chosen means to be picked. A choice. Now, I'll tell you one thing. It's no fun when you're playing softball or basketball or whatever and nobody picks you. Have you ever been the last person? Yeah. 
And you know what's sad is now when your kids are picking up teams, they don't want you, you know, you're the one holding them up. But God says, when I see the ones I can choose from, he says, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, and I choose you. And he says, I choose you. You've been chosen. I've been chosen by God. Aren't you so glad that God loves us so much? He has chosen us. He has picked us. And then it says this, and those that are faithful. The word faithful means to be trustworthy. It means to be true. It means that we can be relied upon. Now, I'll be honest, we, we all come short in that category. But it ought to be our desire to say, if God would pick me, if God would choose to use me, I want to give him my best. And I want to be faithful. You say, what happens when we're not faithful? Well, he's still faithful. And what happens when we let God down? He never lets us down. And what happens when we fall down? He picks us back up. We keep on going and we keep on running. You say, is it possible to be faithful? That's hard. That's difficult. Well, God commands us to be faithful. So I think if God commands us to do something, wouldn't you say it's possible? I don't think God's going to ask you to do anything impossible. But God commands us to be faithful. And it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. May God help us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.